You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Whether this is your first time here or you've been here before, uh, I hope you enjoy the first podcast of the 2018-2019 season. I also hope that you enjoy my neighbor's dog barking, uh, which is something I can no longer wait for because I am tired and I want to record this and get it out to you. Um, So please forgive me for the background noise. In all honesty, her name's Roxy, and she's actually pretty nice, but there's a skunk in the backyard or something, and she won't leave it alone. Anyway, we're back. A nil-nil draw to Burnley. Maybe not the best result, but uh, lots and lots of positives. And uh, lots and lots of you got in touch with your six-word match summaries based on the savage time of the game. Uh, if you're interested in doing that, make sure you follow along on Twitter and Instagram where we put those things out uh, for you to contribute and have some fun. And uh, if you post them on Instagram, I always repost them and um, you know so people can have a look. But anyway, uh, a lot of people had a lot of things to say, mostly positive, some negative, uh, but it all kind of depends. I, I think a lot of people have last year still on their mind. So I'll discuss all of that with um, my guest this week, Christian Candler. Um, we talked early Monday morning, 5 a.m. my time, 7 a.m. his time. Uh, because our, our our respective schedules didn't quite work over the weekend. I was away and had to uh, travel after we watched the game. Uh, or I had to travel after I watched the game on Sunday, and I had quite a, a long excursion. So uh, maybe I feel a bit like Cedric coming into this one. Uh, I should be ready. It is the first game of the season. I should have a really strong showing. Um, but as we got into it, it just wasn't quite clicking. And, and you could tell that I hadn't been there for the full preseason, or maybe I came back too late from holiday, uh, and I apologize. But... Uh, Anyway, hopefully I put in a good enough performance to get another run out next week, and I'll make you all proud then. Before we get to my conversation with Christian Candler, we're going to take a second to try something new. As you probably already know, the Southampton page is my partner here on the podcast. Uh, The Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook has lots and lots of good stuff. And now Jay and I have something new for the show for the season, which is where we take a second uh, for Jay to share a page from the Southampton page with us. So here's what Jay had to say this week. Hello, Matt. This is Jamie with my weekly input on the podcast. And this week, my view is on the Danny Ings transfer and of, of course his debut today. Um, I thought the move was brilliant for all parties. He obviously wanted to leave Liverpool after not getting guaranteed of game time and what a perfect place to come in Southampton. It was his dream move from the start. He's like, he's mentioned in his interviews that he wanted to come to Southampton and I think it's just perfect for him. And it was nice to see him get on today. And obviously uh, he had a few chances to score, but the goal will come. And once he gets his goals, I think he'll 
had plenty to offer to the club. I'm so glad it got done. Like I said, because we all wanted a forward, and what a forward's bringing someone that loves the club and not just a pay packet, which I think is a big thing in itself. So, yep, so that's my uh, comment on Danning's for this week. Until next time, thank you. Special thanks to Jay for taking the time to share with us his thoughts on Danny Ings. A reminder, be sure to follow the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, They are my partner on the show. They do a lot of good stuff and they really help me out. Uh, So if you're not already doing so, make sure you follow them. Uh, The links to their profiles and things are in the show notes. And we'll be back with another page from the Southampton page next week. But for now, let's move to my conversation with Christian Candler. He's at the Candler on Twitter. He writes about football. Uh, he reads about football. He also really likes science um, a lot. If you follow him on Twitter, you already know that. But anyway, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with him uh, about the squad, about Burnley and your questions uh, right after this. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Christian Candler. He's on Twitter at the Candler, and he's been here before. We're here to talk about the opening of the season, uh, a draw against Burnley, new formation, new signings, all kinds of stuff, and answer some listener questions. Uh, Christian, welcome back to the podcast, and thanks for joining me. Thanks. I'm really excited to be back again. Football's back. Southampton's back. It is. It is. And I enjoyed the World Cup. Um, I'm glad the transfer window is over. That's like my least favorite time of, of, of ever. Um, but, um, it's, uh, it's nice to be, to be back and have something to talk about. It was a weird kind of, it landed on a weird weekend for me in terms of, of, uh, finishing up summer as a teacher and having family weddings at far fun, far flung places, but you were also supposed to be traveling. Um, and, uh, the plan was for you to be actually at St. Mary's yesterday and, um, you know, life happens and, and here we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I bought the ticket and everything. I was, I was all ready to go. Um, but then I just, I got hired in a new job. I moved into a new apartment like a few days before I was supposed to leave. And so I just had to sort of scrap everything from this past weekend. Um, but it's, it's okay. I'm still planning on going to St. Mary's a little bit later in the year, probably around the new year's fixtures. We'll see though. Yeah. We were talking about that in one of our, our group chats or whatever. And people were encouraging you maybe not to try that. Like they think we're we're too soft. The, uh, the, the Americans that aren't used to cold weather, we probably can't handle the uh, the English winter. But I think in Nashville, you guys are you guys do okay with that. So uh, I won't mention the person who doesn't think you can handle it, but he knows who he is. <laughs> no, it's okay. My my mom's from farther up north in the United States, and she she tells me that I have never experienced a real winter before. But maybe maybe I will um, if I go over during the New Year's pictures. Well, I can say that Look, when we went over thing. during. Even during spring break uh, around Easter, as a guy from California, from the like who basically doesn't wear pants, uh, long <laughs> pants for people in the uh, UK, I think that's that's proper. Um, last time I said I didn't wear pants, people were like, "Hey, don't that's like profanity or whatever." But anyway, um, I I was cold. Like I, I, you have to dress for it, and I think once you oh, dress yeah. for it, it's fine. I just didn't own any clothes that were appropriate, um, <laughs> so I had to go, I had to go shopping. But anyway, I'm sure when you go, you will be fine, no matter when it is, um, and you know. Once you get to St. Mary's, it doesn't really matter. You know, you'll yeah. be you'll be happy. But like like we said, there has been a lot that happened last week. We did this kind of big preview. We had recorded things kind of uh, beforehand, and of course, uh, we get the Ings signing uh, on deadline day, the loan that becomes permanent next year, um, which was I think encouraging. Uh, I was a little surprised to see him get a run out yesterday, uh, which I guess I was only surprised because he'd only been there for for you know a day or two, but. 
right. overall pretty pretty happy with the uh, the fact that we got him and and all that. But um, I know Jamie. Uh, people will have, uh, have heard this already. Uh, Jamie from the Southampton page at the beginning of the show. I'm going to play his little clip that he sent in about, about Ings because um, he's pretty big on on that signing. So people have already heard that, but we'll talk about that um, a little bit as well. But uh, for the most part, we're just going to take a look at the Burnley game uh, at the result. It's a draw. And then uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and answer some of the listener questions that we have. So um, let's go ahead and just jump straight into the team then. I mean, the beginning of the year, it's always difficult to pick, uh, you know, a predicted lineup or a predicted 11. But I think we all expected us to come out with three center backs based on, on, on preseason and things like that. Um, but when we came out with the, the personnel that we chose, first of all, um, was there anybody in there that surprised you in terms of, of getting the start on opening day? One that I was maybe a little surprised about was Steven starting over Bednarik just because he had such a good World Cup. Um, he played in preseason. I thought he was kind of destined to take over a starting role. And maybe he'll get that over the next few weeks. Um, I think really highly of him. But it's kind of the other the lineup besides that is kind of what I expected. Um, Armstrong has looked all right. Even Redmond has looked pretty good in preseason. Um, it's I, th- I thought it was what I could expect from a opening weekend lineup from us. I, I guess you know the with with purchasing Vestigar that that puts a number of people in contention for for that right center back spot, and that means Stevens, Yoshida, um, and Bednarak are all going to be competing for that spot. I know a lot of people uh, are not big on Wesley Hoot, uh, but him being left footed, I think he's got. Uh, a leg up on everybody on that side, uh, unless you slot Bertrand in there and play target as left wing back, which I think some people um, are pushing for, but we'll see. I was a little bit surprised to see Cedric come straight in. Um, he, to me watching yesterday and granted it was, it was five thirty AM. I was on about, you know, two or three hours sleep, but I, I had trouble spotting him in the first half, especially I couldn't, couldn't find him very often. And he, he didn't quite look up for it. Not because I didn't think he wanted to be there, but I, I saw some some people saying that maybe he was he had an illness or something like that. Um, I saw, and, and I just think you know he's back from holiday. He's been um, you know he's probably had the least amount of preseason uh, out of everybody. He definitely is our best our best right wing back or our best right back. But um, I just don't quite think he was he was ready to to be there, and I think it showed a little bit. Um, although some people argued as well that that you know Burnley made a made it clear to kind of try to limit him and Bertrand. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in just, just a little bit. Um, but yeah, as you said, I was a little bit surprised too, that, that Steven's got the start over Bednarak. Um, I also would have thought maybe Yoshida gets in there just because Vestergaard and Hoot are not the, uh, the quickest and, uh, right. to provide, provide a little bit of cover. But I want to say there was maybe only the one chance that McCarthy had to go one-on-one and make a save to, to keep it level. So, um, I think we got away with it a little bit there, but other than that, um, formation wise, you know, like we said, three at the back. And it's not a straight three four three. It's kind of a, you know, you have you have the three center backs. You have the kind of the two holy midfielders. Then you have almost the wing backs, and then the you have Redmond and Armstrong kind of playing behind Austin. Is that right. kind of how we set up? Yeah, it was really five at the back, more than three at the back. True, most true. Of the time, but yeah, that, that's pretty much a typical formation. If you looked at Armstrong and Redmond, they interchanged a lot. You'd find them swip, swapping sides quite often. It was a pretty fluid front three from Armstrong, Redmond, and Austin. And would you say that that Redmond and Armstrong were 
kind of tucked in a little bit more. They weren't necessarily playing outside like like wingers. They were kind of playing more just inside, just off of Austin. Is that is that kind of what what you saw? And and we were expecting the width to come from really from Bertrand and Cedric. Yeah, that's what I that's what I saw from Armstrong and Redmond. More so from Armstrong, just because he's not so much a traditional winger. But from Redmond, he strayed a little bit further wide sometimes. Um, but really, they were both kind of centrally tucked in. Do you think that that Redmond fits into that role? Because I mean, last year he got a lot of a lot of flack from supporters. He didn't have a great season, um, but I think looking at him yesterday, he seemed a little bit more eager to kind of run at that space, maybe between the outside backs and then the center backs. You know, he seemed to be able to try to just run at that gap between whatever between them, whatever side he was on. Um, and I think that that maybe suits him a little bit better, uh, giving yeah, him did. some freedom. But uh, you know, I was. I like Redmond and I want him to do well. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you saw from him yesterday. If you thought he played well or not. He had a good game. I thought he did really well. Um, he kind of, I guess if we want to go ahead and jump into the game, but he, there was one moment in the first half where he just got the ball and he booked it towards the defense and he beat two or three Burnley players. Nothing ended up coming from it, but that's when it, the switch kind of got flipped from, for our team. And we looked so much better after that. And I think he's kind of um, a catalyst for us moving forward. And he has a little bit of flair. And when he's get, given that attacking freedom, I think he can do some really good things for us. Yeah, yeah. One one note on the on the lineup is if you if you kind of look down at at, at the subs, you know, Angus Gunn comes in for Forrester. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty standard. You have yeah. Bednarak on the bench. Um, Yoshida's not on the bench, if I'm correct in saying that, I think. Um, no, Hoiberg, Lamina over Hoiberg, and and I'm kind of confused with what's going on with, with Mario Lamina simply because I don't know if the baby's been born. I don't know if, you know, what, what was happening. Because that was that was kind of the some of the excuse when he was not in the team uh, for the final preseason friendly was that his uh, partner is getting ready That's to take right. birth, but then he, he comes right back in. I didn't even have him in my team, I don't think. Um, yeah. I figured he would just be absent for a while. I think we struggled to control the game in midfield, um, at least in the first half. I don't think we could get on the ball. And I and I tend to blame that on the two central midfielders, so Romeo and Lamina. I would say that's mostly on them. Yeah. But I also don't know if if uh if Burnley were just able to you know, maybe maybe Burnley just did a really good job and we in, in in kind of um countering our system, I guess, maybe, or right. if if we just didn't play well enough in, in that. But Overall, like once Lamina kind of got into the game, I thought he did really, really well. And there was a, a a moment where he had the ball, I think on on our left side, and he didn't even touch it. He just ran over it twice and made. Uh, I think it was it was a cork. I think just looked absolutely ridiculous. And then he yeah. it and fouled. And I don't know what what did you make of his performance overall yesterday? And then we'll kind of jump into the to the game and kind of go through it. Yeah. Well, um, first fun fact: um, I met Mario Lamina this summer um, when we were both on holiday. Um, we were both on holiday at the same resort. And so I met him and talked to him and he said that he was really excited to do better this season than he did last season. Um, and I think the whole squad was a little bit motivated, more motivated for this year, which is exciting. Um, but I think he, he had a pretty good game today or yesterday. Yeah, no, he, he did, he did play well. And I forgot you were at the same kind of resort or whatever it was, uh, with him. I, I completely forgot about that, but I think 
I think I remember photoshopping something very crudely. Um, yeah. If I can find it, good luck because I'm gonna put it out there again. Um, but anyway, so yeah, let, let's let's kind of jump into the game and we'll kind of go through it. Um, I, I would say that right from the start that Burnley looked better than we did. They looked, uh, you know, they they have played uh, I think three matches already in an attempt to qualify for the group stage of the Europa League. Uh, I was hoping that when they came back from Turkey uh, after a Thursday match, they would be a bit tired. Um, but they really looked like a team who had already played three games and were kind of more in tune with what they were doing uh, than a team who was just playing their first competitive match on the opening weekend of the Premier League season. Uh, yeah, I completely didn't even think about that. That's right, that Burnley's played a few more games just to get ready for the Europa League. Um, but we we looked bad at the beginning of the game. Um and I think I saw one stat, I think it was like 15 minutes in, where Burnley had like 72% possession over us, yeah. um, which which is not good coming from a team like Burnley, who's not traditionally the Barcelona-style oriented attack. No, generally Burnley just uh, hoof it long and, uh, you know, hope. But uh, yeah, they, they seem to really be up for it from the start and they, they did outpossess us and it didn't seem like we could get on the ball and hold it for any length of time. It seemed like whenever we tried to make a pass that they were getting cut out, it seemed like there was a lot of, of space, but we weren't kind of getting into it. We were just, I don't know. It seemed like when passes were, were being pushed forward that they were, they were, we were trying to pass it almost too far. Like we weren't coming to the ball, you know? Um, yeah. And Burnley was just able to step into that and then, uh, and then, and then come on the attack. But I can't recall a ton of, really, really clear-cut chances uh, that Burnley had uh, in that first half, even though I felt like we were lucky to get into halftime maybe at at, at nil-nil. Yeah, I know um, at least in the first 20 minutes, there was a moment where McCarthy made a good save. Um, and we he made a few good saves and kind of kept us in the game there in the first half, um, at least in the first 20 minutes. But I think after like minute 30, we really kicked on and pushed on to the end of the half. Now, some of the other podcasts, the, the Total Saints podcast, talked about uh, towards the on their first episode about you know going to China, about you know what that does for the club, whether it puts us a, a, a week behind essentially because of the the travel, um, because of the facilities that, that were in in use there, um, all that stuff. Were there any signs that we weren't quite ready, like preseason didn't quite do enough for us, like we weren't prepared, or do you think that it's just the first game? It it it's to be expected. Uh, or, or what did you make of it? I don't know if I'm struggling to get this out, but that, that's kind of what I'm getting after there. Yeah, I mean, it's hard since the club couldn't stream like any of the preseason games. So we couldn't really get to see. I feel like we were in the dark a lot during our preseason games. But our preseason was, results were not that great for the most part. But I don't necessarily think that, that we weren't prepared well enough. I think, at least at the beginning of the match, I think it's what we talked about. Burnley had played a few more games than we had. This was our first real competitive match. And so when we came out, we just weren't clicking. Like, all that like team sync that teams get into with the chemistry and everything, that just wasn't there in a competitive sense yet. And so I think it's hard to say that our preseason didn't prepare us well enough. But okay. then also I could see where people are coming from when they say that I think it's just a hard question to answer because we couldn't really watch our team in preseason. Yeah. And and for me, a preseason is not about results necessarily, but 
that last one kind of, it makes you, makes you wonder a little bit, you know, like oh, when, yeah. when we, when we lose three nil to Bruce, we mentioned Gladbach, it's, are we, are we where we should be? Um, and how soon can we get there and, and realize still that, that obviously the first team wasn't there, um, that match, we still have guys coming back. And, and I think given a couple of games, we'll be fine. But I think I'm always the person that kind of says that, like, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. Just give it, give it some time. But I still have last season on my mind. And that makes me, that makes me worry because, right. um, you know, how, how long into, into the season can we say that? But also looking at it, you look at Mark Hughes and he's got a track record of actually being able to, to, to set up a team and to, to adapt a little bit. And he did that yesterday. I thought in the second half, uh, he's changed the formation a little bit and it, it really did change the game. Um, and, and so I think we'll be, we'll be okay. Um, I just hope that, that, that I'm right in that. So, um, yeah, I think, um, sorry, no, go ahead. I think Vestergaard's kind of the prime example for preseason versus the competitive games. So I don't think Vestergaard had a particularly great preseason for us. He didn't look fantastic in a lot of those games, but he might've been our man of the match yesterday. Like he really looked solid and he was clearing balls. He was diving for crosses. He was getting to everything. And so I think he, if he was prepared, the rest of the team just needed to click together. I think that was the main issue yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, so he's brought in to anchor and address a need that we had at, at center back, which was, we don't have anybody that's physical. Uh, we struggled in the air, even though Stevens, Yoshida, the, like who they're all, you know, fairly, fairly tall guys, but they just, they don't have the physical presence, you know? Right. Um, right. Vestergaard, I thought, showed what he was all about. And he's really endeared himself to the fans probably yesterday because he got, he got the elbow to the face um, at, at, at some point in the second half. He's bleeding. He's on the ground. And then, you know, the next time you look, he is putting his face right back in there where, you know, to, to head a ball away from a cross or a shot or whatever it is. And I think he really did, did look up for it. And um, I, I think this is a good point to kind of transition into uh, talk a little bit about uh, the signings that we did bring in. Um, you know, did did we get? You know, well, let's, let's talk about Danny Ings first because that's that's the most recent. And on deadline day, um, we're all sitting there. I'm, you know, at the lake or at the pool, and we're I'm just on my phone, just going like I'll, I'll pay attention to the rest of the world as soon as as soon as the transfer deadline closes. And then we get the news that, oh, you know, they've submitted a, a deal sheet so that they have an extra two hours to kind of get this over the line. Uh, we start kind of scrambling to figure out who it is. And then I think, you know, within maybe five or 10 minutes, I think everybody realized it was it was Danny Ings and he was coming. Um, and so, you know, you know, when we got him in at the end of the of the window, did that did that really solidify the window for you? And that we've got, uh, you know, we've got a goalkeeper, we've got a central defender, uh, we've got we've got a, a midfielder, an attacking kind of outside player, a wide player. Um, and now we've got a center forward. I mean, did did we do enough there? I think for the most part, we did well enough. If I had to give the transfer window a rating out of 10, I'd give it like a 7 or an 8, like sort of right in that range. Because I still think we haven't really replaced Mane. But um, like Vestergaard filled a hole. Gunn has filled a hole. Elianusi has come in and filled kind of, I guess, Bufal's absence now. And then Ings came in as a striker, which we really did need. And so I think it filled a lot of needs that we do, that we needed to fill. And so I really thought the window was solid. Um, I, th- I think Mark Hughes did well with the window. 
All right. And, and I don't know, looking at it, you know, people would have asked for maybe, you know, an additional wide player, things like that. But I, I'm hoping that based on who we brought in and when we did it, that what we're going to get is the youth team players to have a, a little bit more opportunity. You know, I would have expected Matt yeah. Target to be in the lineup yesterday. I would have expected Josh Sims to be in the lineup yesterday. Um, and they weren't. So I, I'm a little, you know, worried, but the squad is still as big and there's going to be competition for those places. And, you know, when I look down that, that subs list, you, you have Hoiberg, you have Ward Prowse, you have uh, Elia Nussi and Ings and Gabby Dini. Like that's not a bad bench. You know, that's okay. Uh, I, I think, um, I think those players are probably deserving of those, of those spots. And, and it's going to be difficult for guys like uh, for target to, to get in there. But um, you know, I, I kind of hope that he does at some point and, and maybe he can force himself in there. And if we don't, if we continue not to to create chances with that that system, um, maybe you could see Target come in, and and if if Hoot makes a couple of mistakes, you can see Bertrand move over there or whatever. But um, I, I personally, I like Bertrand uh, out wide. I think he's he's better there. But um, that's just me. Now that he's not good at the left center back, I think he's fine. I just think we lose some of the uh, his ability to get forward and and things like that. So yeah, I agree. Let's kind of go through. Um, just take a look at at some of the impact some of the new players had um, because. The end of every game put out like, you know, the, the, the short summary basically where the number of, of minutes of stoppage time, you get that many words. And yesterday we had six, which is a ton. Um, but I kind of said like, you know, clean sheet, frustration and impact sign with the, the Ings because I thought Ings was, was um, pretty, pretty good. But I thought, I thought all of our new signings played particularly well when they came in. I thought they all uh, stuck to their roles and, and had an impact. And uh, we'd spoken about Vestergaard already. Uh, I thought Ellie Nussi was was good on the ball, um, but I I, I'm, I guess I'm really unfamiliar with with Danny Ings in, in terms of his play. He hasn't played a whole lot for Liverpool over the past uh, few seasons. He's he's had some injuries and things like that. But uh, being the hometown guy and, and coming back to uh, Southampton and being a fan of the of the club and after being cut from uh, as a youth player, I thought that when he came in, he did look really really composed and really like he. He was comfortable out there, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think this is the perfect place for Danny Ings to sort of revive his career. Uh, like he he's a great striker, and he deserved his move to a, a club like Liverpool when he got it a few seasons ago. And it's just unfortunate that he had to deal with all those injuries. But now that he showed up here, and the fans have been so receptive of him, I think this is the perfect environment for him to really kick on again and show how good he can be. I um, mean, he, he showed that yesterday. I think he once when he came on, he had as many shots as the rest of the team combined. Um, he came on and he really wanted to score and he was fun to watch. Yeah. And when he came in, that was, uh, let's see, the, this, this, the substitutes there, this was in the second half, I think 55th minute or something like that. 60th minute. Yeah. Um, Armstrong and Cedric came off. Elianusi and Ings came on. So we moved from, you know, five at the back or three at the back to, to, to four at the back. Um, and and my I guess what I'm really wondering is, was it a personnel issue or was it the 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 system the the shift in formation that that uh, maybe had the bigger impact on the game? Because I thought that once we did that, we we seemed to be more comfortable going forward. We seemed to have even more control of the game, and from then on, it looked like we would if somebody was going to win, it was it was going to be us. Um, and I know that was the narrative that 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 Hughes took after the game that they he thought they did enough to to win the match. Um, and I, and I can agree and I'm a little disappointed with the draw at home on opening day, but like you said, you know, Burnley, uh, having played 
you know, this is their fourth competitive match of the season, whereas this is our first. So I guess in, in all things considered, we lost that we lost it last season. This is probably okay. Right. I think, I think a lot of it had to do with the formation switch. Um, Cause five at the back sitting back against Burnley, it doesn't make, it didn't make too much sense to me. But when we made the switch to four at the back and sort of just a classic four, four, two, we looked much stronger moving forward. And I think it was the right tactical switch from Hughes. And I really hope that carries over into future matches. So would you want to see us then? Because we have a question here from uh, Lucy Hanna. says, is reverting to four at the back the way forward? Um, would you, I mean, we've worked all season, uh, all preseason, I should say, um, playing three at the back or five at the back, um, using our our wingbacks as our wide players. And, and part of this, I, w- I would assume, and I could be completely completely wrong, that if you look at the players that we have in the squad, we probably lack natural wingers that are that are, are true wide players. Um, but Bertrand and Cedric are good in that in that wide role, and they are good at putting crosses in. Um, so you utilize them there. You have some extra defensive cover because we we struggle to clear balls away and things like that. Um, but now you know we we do that all, all preseason. Now, so you know we switched to, to four at the back just because we had you know one bad half in the first in our first preseason match against a team who had already played. Uh, more matches than us is it too soon to kind of do that or do you think that it, it would be the appropriate time to to make that switch well i think one of the big parts of football is being able to adapt to your situation and being able to adapt to what's happening on the field so i think when we look so successful in the 442 i think Hughes has to go back and think well maybe this is the way forward um and i think for games like Burnley, I think 100% that's the way forward. I don't think it makes any sense to have three at the back against a team like Burnley, but maybe we bring back the three at the back um, for the bigger games. Like if we play um, at Old Trafford or something, we might want to bring back a three at the back structure just so we're more solid defensively against a top four attack um, and to snatch a point there. But against the lower teams, I think a four at the back will work just fine. Okay. All right. Um, now, there's another guy on on Twitter here who who has a comment in response to to Lucy. And there's a kind of a discussion that went on underneath the, the actual questions that we put out. And the guy says, like you said, it depends on entirely on the opponent's tactics. He says, Deich committed to cutting Cedric and Bertrand out of the game and totally flustered us. Uh, we need the ability to adjust, and Hughes did it successfully. I would agree with most of that. Um, and, and, and like you said, at home against Burnley, maybe five at the back isn't uh, isn't the appropriate kind of uh, tactic. But I'm I don't know. I, I I look at at some of the players that we can deploy in that that three four three or whatever you want to call it, and I think you can make that an extremely attacking lineup. You know, right. if you play a guy like we played Lamina, if you play Lamina and Hoiberg together with Armstrong and Redmond behind the striker, um, that that is almost as much attacking talent as you can get going forward. And you have three central defenders to kind of cover whatever counterattack comes and hopefully Romeu or not Romeu, but hopefully one of those uh, midfielders can make the run back to kind of, to kind of help out. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't always look at it as being overly defensive, even if it is, even if, it, if you are putting really on the team sheet, five defenders out there, but um, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right for, I, th- I think you're right for that. I think we're going to need more from Cedric and Bertrand if we make it an attacking 3-4-3. Three, three. 
because it's that formation so crucial on the wing backs really being able to get forward. And so I think we, we just need more from them if we're to stay with the three, four, three and make it more attacking. And it's frustrating because I think Cedric is so good. I love Cedric. And when you watch Cedric for Portugal, he's fantastic. And he is a starter for Portugal, but then he comes into Southampton. and He just doesn't seem to be able to reach those levels that he does with Portugal. And so I just, I want more from him if we stick him in that wing back role to be able to burst forward and send in those crosses. Yeah, I think if we're going to do that, I think he he has the tendency to go missing sometimes and right. and drift so far out wide that that if he's not going to come back for the ball or or really force force people to give him the ball in a situation where he can create some something. Um, and I think we need that from them. And I'm not sure how you do that as a as a, as a wide player. I'm not sure how you. You know, do we really want them dropping super deep and and playing you know tight tight little touches in yeah, in our own half or or near the halfway line or do we want them kind of um, you know ahead of actually uh, where where Redmond's position is or where Armstrong's position is um, on the wing and so uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure maybe maybe what 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 something that can happen is both both Hoot uh, and I think Vestergaard as well. Um, and Steven's obviously really good on the ball um, in terms of making kind of long diagonal passes to kind of force the, the opposition to, you know, to, to shift over. I think that that might be in something that we can look forward to. It seemed like a lot of times yesterday we were trying to play the ball straight ahead. Uh, we were trying to play it into the feet of, of Redmond or, um, even of Armstrong. And I just like, I don't, I think the distance between, um, our center backs trying to play those balls and, and, and the players trying to receive them, I just think it was too wide. And then I think right. once Burnley was able to to break that up, um, you were expecting you were expecting Lamina and and Romeo to cover too much too much distance, uh, too much space. And then you had you know Cedric and, and Bertrand pushed so far up that they they took time for them to to recover. Um, and there was right. one particular instance where where Cedric uh, the ball didn't get to him. He was so far up the pitch, and then he kind of just wasn't. This is he wasn't sprinting fast enough for me. Like he looked like he was jogging back, and I'm like, if you if they if they score here, like I'm going to come unglued, and it's going to be on Cedric, even if it's unfair. Uh, but but yep. nothing came of it, so it's, it's all no 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 sense in getting that that upset about yeah. it. I guess. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe we're being too hard on Cedric because he's been been sick lately. Maybe he will play much better next week or something. Yeah. Um. So so kind of maybe maybe. Overall, it's just too early to be super, super concerned with everything. Um, is that fair? No, I, I think there's a lot of positives we can take from that Brentley game, um, especially towards the end of the match where we really looked like scoring. Um, I think even in the second half, there was a moment where I think it was Vestergaard broke two lines with the pass forward to Armstrong, and then Armstrong just turned and booked it towards the opposing box and mm-hmm. i can't remember exactly what happened from that but i was kind of like oh my gosh like finally because i don't think we saw that at all last season mm-hmm. and i think it's little things like that that can make us that can take us forward to score next week and then once ings really gets into the system he could just go nuts and start scoring like crazy and um i think redmond could have a great season and he um, can finally have the season that we've been waiting for. And so I think there's a lot of positives we can take from the game. All right. All right. Um, 
All right. So we have a few more questions and I think this will kind of take us through the rest of what we want to talk about. And if we miss anything that you, uh, something you just want to talk about, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll make sure we cover it. But we've had the discussion about uh, that Lucy sent in about reverting to four at the back. Um, we've talked a little bit, Lawrence Sigrave, uh, who's, uh, sent in a question about opinions on the new signings. I think we've kind of covered that. I think we, we think that we've uh, d- discussed their impact in, in yesterday and, and the holes they will fill in the squad. Uh, and we'll have to see, you know, I'm going to be actually a little bit surprised if, if Ellie Nussi doesn't, doesn't get a start at some point. Um, I don't know if he starts instead of Redmond or, or, or what, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh Jay, who's at SFC underscore gem, sent in a question and says, uh, what would your ideal starting 11 for Everton away be? Um, what would you, what would you go with there? Would you go with a five at the back or the three at the back? Or would you, would you revert to some sort of uh, a four at the back system? Me personally, at least for next week, this doesn't have, this isn't my opinion completely for the rest of the season, but I think for next week at Everton, I think we should, I don't think it'd be a bad idea to start with the five or the three at the back, um, Stevens, Vestergaard, who there in front of McCarthy. Maybe Bednarik could come in for Stevens. I think it, giving him another shot, I think he's earned it. I think he's earned a starting spot. And then Cedric and Bertrand, as those wing backs, um, give them another shot there. Um, I think Lamina's good there. Maybe start Hoiberg over Romeu. Um, I don't fully think. Romeu is absolutely needed in the three at the back system since we have possession a lot. And then um, I think starting Elianusi for Redmond could be good too. It's putting on Redmond as like a impact sub and having him just run at the Everton defense when he comes on could cause a lot of problems. And depending on Ings fitness, I think he um, maybe should get the start over Austin. Okay. Me being, uh, um, my ignorance is showing through here, but Ings, just because he's English and has a bunch of tattoos and is is built like Charlie Austin, they're not the same player, right? No. Uh, Ings, yeah. a bit more pace. Um, if you look at that cross he put in for Stevens at the back post yesterday, um, his vision and things like that, he seems to be... Um, he, seems, I mean, he seems to possess maybe the strength that, that Austin has um, and also maybe the... Uh, kind of maybe the technical ability that, that uh, Gabby Dini has, which I guess would be a, a pretty good, a pretty good blend. And I think if I'm from fair and saying he's fairly pacey uh, or has been in the past, but I'm not, I'm not completely sure on that. Right. I think it will, we'll just have to see because Ings hasn't played a lot recently since his injuries. Sure. I was talking to one of my friends who's had knee surgeries as well. And he was just telling me, there's no way you keep up your speed after having those knee surgeries. There's no way you're as fast as you used to be. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that, if he's able to keep up any of that pace. But I think Ings is more just like a complete center forward, um, which we need. We can kind of put him in any position. Yeah. Um, and he can adapt to that. And I, I will say, going back to, to yesterday, I thought there were a couple of instances where we, we kind of chucked the ball up to Austin and he took it off his chest and was able to bring it down and things like that, which... Uh, I thought he did really, really well yesterday in that. Um, he also kicked Armstrong, which was not great. Um, and it was part of, it was, that was when Armstrong came off and I think that was already planned, but it, you know, he definitely is going to have a, a little bit of a, a reminder that Charlie Austin, um, is a big, strong, 
uh, man uh, left on his leg, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. So um, anyway, I, I think that that Ings for, for Austin could be good. I think that the partnership we saw with Ings and Gabby Dini yesterday, I thought that offered us a, a lot going forward. So that was kind of nice, but George, who's at Polish Maldini asked with Vestergaard now in the team, do you think saints can now safely play two center backs instead of three? Um, and, and so uh, in terms of, we, we've kind of discussed the, you know, the formation that we think we, we'd like to see, but just in terms of Vestergaard alone, from what you saw yesterday, do you think he is, uh, do you think he's the answer that for what we've been looking at center back? Or do you think that, um, we'd still need a three just to kind of protect, you know, our goal and, and things like that? No, I, re- I do think maybe as the season progresses, we could go to the two at the back. I think Vestergaard could be, could be partnered really well with someone like Bednarik. I feel like I've talked about Bednarik a lot today, but I feel like they'd be a good partnership. Um, even if it's Vestergaard and Stevens, that'd be really good. Um, and then maybe Vestergaard and Hoot. Vestergaard would give Hoot the balance that he needs to be successful. Um, I think Vestergaard can gel really well in, with two at the back. I think he gives our other center backs really good balance with whoever plays next to him. Okay. I think, I think it could happen potentially. I just don't see it happening soon. Yeah. I would, I would say that if, if we play three at the back, who's going to start on the left side, almost every game. If we go to, to a, a back four, I would say that it's going to be Vestergaard on the left side side of that. And, and somebody either, either one of uh, Stevens, Bednarak or Yoshida. Um, I, I don't think who would, would come in and play that. Um, just because I think Vestergaard and, and Hoot are both left footed. Um, and I think that, you know, Hoot does really, really well, um, with the ball at his feet. A lot of the time, um, he made some good tackles yesterday, uh, but he still has a mistake there. And, uh, I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that Bednarak has shown himself to be a, uh, a bit more reliable maybe, um, yeah. especially given his performances at the world cup and things like that. So I think he would, You'd be hard pressed to to leave him out of that if, in a back four, and then but you know then Stevens came in and played really well at right back, and so I think that's another reason that you probably saw uh, Stevens on the bench yesterday, or sorry, Bednarak on the bench yesterday, just so we do have some right back cover for Cedric uh, if if something happens. But yeah, I think just thinking about yesterday, the fact that I saw Stevens getting forward more in the back four system than I saw Cedric getting forward when he's playing wing back, um, that maybe says something about Cedric's fitness at the moment, but. Uh, we will we'll see about about that going forward. Um, so at Everton, uh, you'd like to see Hoiberg over over Romeo, uh, maybe Hoiberg Lamia partnered. Um, is that is that correct? That's that's right. Yeah, I think Hoiberg would give us a little bit more just holding the ball than Romeo would in terms of distribution as well. All right. Well, I mean any. Any other kind of takeaways from yesterday's match that, that we can look forward to? And this is going to be a little bit shorter than than a normal episode, partially because of when we're recording this. Um, for all of you people in the UK, um, we started at 5 a.m. West Coast uh, Pacific time, uh, 7 a.m. your time. You actually went into work early to do this. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, of course. It's the first day of, of school for, for the students are back at where I work. My daughter's having surgery tomorrow. There's a lot going on. But anyway, we are here and hopefully... Uh, this has made some some sense, and I can uh, I'll cut out the long periods of silence where I just stared at my computer screen and couldn't figure out what to say. So hopefully it all kind of makes sense. But uh, just kind of wrapping up the um, just the match from yesterday and 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 what we can take away from it. 
the overall, are you okay with the result? And and do you think there's some some stuff to build on and, and move forward with? I am. I'm okay with it. Um, but I just hope it's like a little bit of mo- motivation for the squad to be like, all right, like we, we can do this. They, so they can look at the good moments from Burnley to really kick on for the rest of the season and improve so we get to a top 10 finish this season. And I think we have the squad to do it. I think we just need to fix. Um, this has been a theme over the past couple seasons, but we need to fix our scoring problems. We have to figure out just how to score consistently. And I think that's my biggest concern for the season again. I just really hope that Ings is able to come in and start scoring, or even if it's Austin or Gabbiadini. We need somebody to score more than 10 goals this season. Yeah, and and I want to say your... Um... That's what you put in for your uh, your six word kind of summary is that you know we still have some scoring problems and that's going to be the issue. And last year we created a ton of chances going forward. Uh, we just couldn't put them away, you know. And then of course Carrillo goes away to uh, uh, you know on loan with, with Pellegrino and wins the Golden Cucumber or whatever the what the heck that was. Um, it's the worst tro- looking trophy oh, I've yeah. ever seen. Um, I will not. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. Um, but. Yeah, I think last year what happened was there were times there were there were glimpses of us looking okay, you know, not even great but okay, and we just never built on it. And I think at this point you have to put that on the manager. You have to put that on Pellegrino and his inability to clearly get his ideas through to the players about about how we were playing and what we were doing. And I think that just looking at the last eight games that we had under Hughes, they I wouldn't say that we were so much better that you know we were going to be all of a sudden like a we weren't playing like a top 10 team down the stretch but there were little kind of steps forward each game and there weren't necessarily huge jumps but little steps forward each game that it just looks slightly more cohesive and i think that with some time um i think he will be able to better take the positives from yesterday um and build on them and also look at some of the ways that um you know maybe the system didn't work or the personnel there didn't work and he will change that i think that I think he's better equipped to do that maybe than Pellegrino, um, whether it's a communication issue or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think that will suit us well going forward. Um, I hope I mean, that that's really, that's really where we're at at this point. It's early. Uh, we have to go away to Everton and then we'll kind of see how it, how it goes from here on out. But I, I do fear that, that given last season, given uh, how we suddenly found ourselves in the relegation zone uh, as much optimism as we all have right now. And as much positivity as we all have right now, because it's the beginning of the season, we're excited that the football is back. There is that, there is that, that possibility that, you know, with a few bad results that, that it could turn toxic really quickly again. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'm going to go back to what Lamina told me when I saw him and he, he told me, he's like, yeah, we're really ready to kick on this next season. And, and really improve and finish higher up the table because they know they're good enough. And I think we're seeing glimpses of that. And I think if they're really able to put everything together, we very easily could get back into the top 10. Okay. I, I'd be happy really if we finish like 12th to 14th. I think that's where we're going to, we're going to wind up, I think. But um, I'm, I'm a hopeless optimist. I've been told that before. <laughs> no, that, that's a, that's okay. I mean, I I'm, I'm positive, but I'm also kind of, really trying to be realistic and not set myself up to just get yeah. absolutely crushed if it doesn't happen, you know? Um, and I think that, it, yeah, yeah, I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay. I'm just, I'm excited for, yeah. for, to, to watch us. And, um, 
I will be happy when we have a three o'clock kickoff because that is a, that is, that is a more acceptable time to be fully yes. awake. Uh, and I'll be glad now that we're on a, you know, kind of back to a normal schedule for me in terms of, uh, uh, I won't be going to the casino every night and, uh, you know, hanging out with family and all that stuff. So it'll be, it'll right. be nice. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, Christian, I want to thank you for uh, joining me for the first week of the season to covering the, the first match. You would think that we would be in midseason form already since I haven't, uh, you know, I had, I had a fairly lengthy preseason in terms of preparation, but I feel like uh, maybe I've stumbled a bit. Maybe the, the, <laughs> the, the grandeur of the occasion maybe got to me a little bit, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed it. No, anytime. I always enjoy talking to you. And uh, uh, when you do make that trip over to St. Mary's, we'll make sure that we, uh, we get you back on and, and talk about that and all that stuff. But uh, um you are on Twitter at the Candler. The links are in the show notes. Uh, give if people want to give you a follow. I assume uh, several people already are. But um, anyway, uh, all that said, um, thanks for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, thank you so much. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks to Christian Candler, who joined me for this episode, and to Jay of the Southampton page, my partner. I uh, could not do the show without you. You can follow Christian on Twitter at the Candler. You can follow the Southampton page at the Southampton page. It's on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, go to the show notes, click on the links, follow them if you don't already. If you want to follow this show on Twitter or Instagram, we are at SFCDELL underscore IBERY. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can get a hold of us on any of the social media channels, or you can email the show at Southampton delivery at gmail.com. It also really helps if you use the hashtag SFC Dell. It helps us sort through things and find comments relating to the show. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have trouble finding it, let me know. I will gladly help you out. All you have to do is ask. I'm very proud of the new logo we have for the show. It was designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. If you're not already following Matt, he does excellent work. His edits are second to none. And I can't think of enough for doing another logo for the show. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Pottington Bear. Saint season is now officially underway and we go away to Everton next week. If you're traveling, travel safely. If you're staying home, hopefully you can find a stream. Wink, wink to everybody in the UK. Uh, And we'll be back next week to talk about the game and everything else involved with the club. But until then, thank you for listening. And remember that together, we march on.